Good morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad that you are here joining with me today. On the 1st of October, I knew it was coming. It's here. <laughs> oh, my. Mm, that is a very dark roast today. You would think it was only made with half the water needed. Mm, that's going to keep me going for quite a while. <laughs> Oh, yes, it's still dark. Last night, the wife and I, we um, ran up to Matt Toon. Um, there was a elderly gentleman that had called me during the day, and he had a honeybee problem. Uh, he was uh, saying that in the, um, the reel that held the, uh, uh, the garden hose, that there were honeybees in there. And I said, that doesn't sound like it would probably be honeybees. Uh, that that's not uh, you know that's not how they live. That's not where they live. And he said, "Well, I called an exterminator, and they looked at him and said they were honeybees and they weren't going to touch them." So I thought, okay, how is this garden reel set up? Maybe it's one of those that instead of an exposed reel, you know, it has like that plastic box around it, and that might be enough space enclosed that they would want to. Uh, maybe build a hive in there. And he said they had been there for, you know, several, you know, I had the impression several months. <clears throat> so, um, so we headed up there and, and uh, uh, I went back to check him out. Hadn't gotten on my bee suit yet. And uh, <laughs> got up there and was like, nope, it's just the garden hose rolled up on a thing. And next thing I know, I see a little insect flying down and crawling in among the uh, the rolled up garden hose. And as I look closer, it's like, nope, those are not honeybees. Those are yellow jackets. And a couple more came and they landed and went in. And so I I told the fellow the bad news. I said, these, these are not honeybees. Uh, but the exterminator said, yeah, well, you know, my thought was the exterminator either was an idiot or he just didn't didn't get a close enough look uh, to, to deal with it. Uh, now for those of you who are curious, um, when you look at yellow jackets, they do have the yellow and black stripes on their abdomen, but they are thinner than what a honeybee is. They're kind of fat and chunky. and these are slick and shiny. That's how a yellow jacket is. Uh, the uh, it's a brighter yellow and a darker black than what you will find on honeybees. With honeybees, uh, it's more of a a dulled color, and the uh, uh, you you don't have quite as many stripes typically uh, on the honeybee. Plus, honeybees they have hair all over their bodies. Yellow jackets are slick. They have no hair. So uh, long story short, the guy's very, very nice and very desperate to try to get rid of it, them. So uh, uh, we're going to be going up again tonight, or at least that's our plan so far, with uh, some wasp and hornet killer. I will put on my bee suit and we will do some stupid things. And I will try not to get stung as we... Uh, uh, try to kill off these uh, yellow jackets. 
<laughs> you'll you'll hear the results tomorrow. How about that? So <laughs> that's a good reason to tune in. <laughs> but no, last night when we were coming home, <clears throat> we uh, uh, we were just about home, and I mean it was totally dark. And I, I glance at the clock, and it's only seven forty-five. And it's totally dark. And it's like, this is not fair. I want my summer back. I want a summer that I can enjoy and and have time uh, going to different places. Uh, I tell you, next summer better be different. <laughs> All right. Well, tell you what. Let's get into our uh, uh, devotional study this morning. Again, this is from the book Calling Jesus, Enjoying Peace in His Presence by Sarah Young. And for those of you following along, um, we did not start on January 1st with January 1st. We started now with, uh, and we are at January 5th. And it starts off, you can achieve the victorious life through living a deep dependence on me. People usually associate victory with success not falling or stumbling, not making mistakes. But those who are successful in their own strength tend to go their own way, forgetting about me. It is through problems and failure, weakness and neediness, that you learn to rely upon me. True dependence is not simply asking me to bless what you have already decided to do. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart, inviting me to plant my desire within you. I may infuse within you a dream that far exceeds your reach. You know that in yourself you cannot achieve such a goal. Thus begins your journey of profound reliance on me. It is a faith walk, taking one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. This is not a path of continual success, but of multiple failures. However, each failure is followed by a growth spurt, nourished by increasing reliance on me. Enjoy the blessedness of a victorious life through deepening your dependence on me. You know, I have to admit, whenever I um, started reading this one just in preparation for for talking with you this morning, uh, the first line made me kind of cringe, where it says, you can achieve the victorious life. That's because the phrase has kind of been hijacked, again, in my opinion, kind of been hijacked by people who really promote a prosperity message that, you know, um, you can be rich, you can be famous, you can be successful, you can have everything, and if you're not, it's obviously because you're not walking right with God, So, because if you walked right with God, you will have, you know, Wealth beyond your wildest dreams. I've known people that have believed that. And uh, uh, that's not accurate. That's not true. 
<clears throat> so at first I cringed a little, and some of you may have cringed similar similarly, but then I then I saw what what uh, she was writing about. You can achieve the victorious life through living in deep dependence on me. Deep dependence. You know, we are, we have in our nature independence. You know, all you have to do is watch a little kid, and their growing up is a fight <laughs> with their parents for their own will and their own independence. And we see that as, you know, a struggle, a frustration, an aggravation. Why won't my kid just do what I tell them to do? Some kids are more pleasing and want, you know, to please their parents, and so they they don't fight too, too much. And others, you know, <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, I can't help but think that fierce independence, you know, is that is that a consequence of sin in the human race? Because what God wants is for us to be dependent upon him. Usually dependence, we think in a bad way. Again, because of our nature, we think independence is the, is the right way. And dependence upon other people when you're able to do for yourself, you know, that kind of dependence, that's, that's not what this is talking about. This this is talking about a type of relationship with God, a type of relationship with Jesus where we have to rely upon him. We have to trust in him. We have to depend upon him because he holds the cards. Let's go through this again. Um, people usually associate victory with success not falling or stumbling, not making mistakes. But those who are successful in their own strength, those who are doing good, those who pick out their own path, tend to go their own way, forgetting about me. I don't need God. I don't need to be dependent on him. Look at all I'm able to do. Me, 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 me. It is through problems and failure, weakness and neediness, that you learn to rely upon me. That's true. You know, when, when I think about the, the life experiences where I learn the most, it's not through success of my own. It's through failure and having to you know, lick my wounds and try to learn from it in a good, healthy way. True dependence is not simply asking me to bless what you have decided to do. How many of you do that? You come up with the answer. You come up with what your idea is all on your own. Then you say, okay, God, please, please bless this thing I'm doing. What if it's not what God wants you to do? What if it is something that you cannot see around the corner that this is a mistake? Is God going to bless that? 
in the way that he would bless when you're actually walking on the path that he wants you to walk on and act in accordance to what he has planted in you. And I get it. That's hard to tell. That's hard to tell and know. True dependence is not simply asking me to bless what you have decided to do. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart. Let me say that again. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart, inviting me to plant my desires in you. It's coming to him. It's trusting him enough that you come to him and say, not my will, but your will be done. You know, I've had in in some uh, Bible studies uh, at different times in my life, uh, polite arguments with uh, pastors regarding kind of this topic. And the idea of the the prayer of not my will, but your will. And what's often said is you need to, you know, claim these different, you know, these different things that you 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 want to do for God. You claim those and and you have those. And it's like, I don't trust my own judgment on the future. My judgment's too clouded by my sinful life. I, I I would rather have, you know what, God, not my will, but your will. What, what do you want me to do? I may not always like that because I don't understand what that plan is, and that's kind of scary. What if God wants me to do something that I'm not wanting to do, or I don't believe I'm ready to do? Well, guess what? He knows us better than we know ourselves. That's where the trust part comes in. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart, inviting me to plant my desires in you. I may infuse within you a dream that seems far beyond your reach. You know that in yourself you cannot achieve such a goal. Yeah, that's that's kind of the scary part that I'm referencing. Thus begins your journey. A profound reliance on me. Notice that you know it's not implying that now start now now is your success. You've reached it. No, it is. You've started a journey. You've started taking the steps of a journey, a profound reliance on me. Not a little reliance but a big reliance. It is a faith walk, taking one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. It's a faith walk. Faith walk is one where every step you're keeping close and thinking about your faith with Christ. One step at a time, leaning on him as much as you need. He's got big shoulders. He's not going to outrun you. 
He's not going to leave you to walk ahead by yourself. He's walking with you hand in hand. If you let go of his hand, his hand is still going to be there. You ever walked with your child when they were a toddler? <laughs> let me let me tell you, when you got little bitty kids and you're going on a family vacation, I know there's plenty of people that thinks it's horrible and you're treating your child as a dog. But you're not. And that's what I'm talking about is those leashes that, you know, have this little harness around their chest and you've got the little leash. Took my two kids on a trip to Yellowstone when they were uh, three and a half and one and a half. Those things saved their lives many times as we're walking on boardwalks going through thermal features at Yellowstone. Uh, because and you know, because when you're you're when you got a little bitty kid and you you uh, you're holding their hand. You got to remember, your your hand is just hanging down normal. Their arm is reaching up real high. That is not always comfortable. But the idea is if you're holding hands with your child, then if they start to go in the wrong direction, you can you know kind of gently guide them back, pull them back toward you. Don't jerk them back, but you know pull them back to keep them safe. That's what the uh, the little leash did. It gave them the ability to be around me and walk on their own. If they wanted to hold my hand, they most certainly could. And they would if something seemed a little scary, they grab, you know, grab my hand and maybe clutch my leg. But that leash allowed me to keep a firm grip on them so if they were getting into danger, I could nudge them back. I could keep them safe. Thus begins your journey of profound reliance on me. It is a faith walk, one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. Picture that child walking with a parent and the parent guiding them so they can go on the right path and see the things they need to see and do the things they need to do. This is not a path of continual success, but multiple failures. Why would God take us on a path with multiple failures? Well, it could be because we need to learn, and that may be a method of learning. It can also be where we still struggle with trying to impose our will on what God has laid out in our life at that time. However, each failure is followed by a growth spurt, nourished by increased reliance on me. You know, isn't it amazing when kids hit a growth spurt? And in just a short period of time, they seem almost like a different person. That growth spurt may be where, boom, over a summer they gain four inches in height. That growth spurt may be where, you know, all of a sudden the facial features change, other physical features change in a short period of time. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're looking so much older. I don't hardly recognize you. 
And that's kind of what happens as we go on this kind of a faith walk. We have these growth spurts in our character. We have growth spurts in our actions. We have growth spurts in our view of ourselves, of the of the people around us, of the world. I'll, I'll share with you, there was, there was a growth spurt I went through. Uh, when was it? Probably in the mid-1990s. And um, I was doing my private practice. And at times, I was having people coming in for help that I really struggled with because they were there because of doing some pretty bad things. And I knew in my heart through faith that God loved them as much as anybody else on this planet. How could God love them? What did God see in them? And I thought, I'm going to take a little step of faith. And I started praying a prayer pretty frequently then. And it was, God, let me see this person through your eyes. Because when I look at this person with my eyes, I see the horrible things. Let me see them through your eyes. And I believe that kind of prayer is one that God will honor because I believe that's his will. For us to see people as he sees people. And then occurred a growth spurt. And it has been one that has continued to the very to the present time. This doesn't mean I don't get aggravated or frustrated or disgusted with certain things. I do. I do. And I wish I had a really good scrub brush that sometimes after a therapy session that I could just scrub out that part of my brain. But I'll tell you what the growth spurt was. I started seeing people not focusing on what they have done or how they have acted, but I see people for their potential down the road. It's like a clear vision, not specifically, this is what you're going to do kind of thing, but as far as who they are, who they are in that part that can grow, see their potential. Kind of like a sculptor who looks at a, you know, a chunk of rock, a chunk of marble. They don't see the chunk of marble. They see the statue that they're going to carve from that chunk of marble. They see it almost like an x-ray vision. And all they have to do is remove all the excess rock to display it. And that's kind of, you know, what what happened with me in this growth spurt I'm referring to is, is the idea that when you remove the sinful aspects of life, all of a sudden, there, there's a potential. There is this statue on the inside. However, each failure is followed by a growth spurt, nourished by increased reliance on me. Enjoy the blessedness of a victorious life through deepening your dependence on me. See, the victorious life isn't about money and wealth and all that kind of stuff prestige. The victorious life 
is really the life that God has planned out for you and me. There's a couple of Bible verses uh, that are referenced. Um, I just closed the book. What were they again? Yeah, the first is Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. And what's interesting, this is a Psalm of David. And the, uh, the little aside, it says, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove uh, so he drove him out and he went away. And I was doing just a little bit of reading because I hadn't seen this before, but apparently um, there, there was a situation where uh, King David acted, pretended to be very disturbed and insane at the city gates. And everybody stayed away from him. Uh, and and that allowed him to escape. Interesting little things there, but let's go down to verse 17 and 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So during this time period, David wrote these words, time period where he needed help. He cried out for help. God delivered him out of those troubles. How did he do that? You know, this verse doesn't specifically say, um, but I imagine it wasn't him saying, just bless what I'm doing and make this work. It was David being more in tune to what God was wanting him to do. And some of those things can leave us brokenhearted. But God can heal those. He definitely can. The next one is from 2 Corinthians verse 5. And it's very brief. It's just verse 7, which is actually just part of a verse. Um. Here, the Apostle Paul is, is writing in his second um, uh, book, letter, to the Corinthians and uh, people of Corinth. And so in um, I'm just going to read the, the little paragraph here, uh, and I'll point out where verse 7 is. We start with 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That part there is verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. See, one of the, the, the struggles that uh, people had at that time, and I think people have at this time, is the idea of what's inside that's hidden and what are the actions outside. And this, this little verse 
for we walk by faith, not by sight, is the idea that we are walking by faith in Christ. That is where our focus is, by faith in him, in what he has done and what he is doing in our life, not by the outward things that others see. Those things happen. Those are a reflection of what's happening on the inside. A reflection does not control. It's simply a reflection of what does. And what does is that faith the action, uh, the the walk by faith in believing what God is doing. Our our actions are just a reflection of God. All right, that's it for today. I'm out of time. Uh, got things to do yet. I've got to work down at the clinic today, so I've got to get my <laughs> my briefcase filled with what I need. And I hope you guys have a great and fantastic day. And we'll see you tomorrow for some more coffee and good conversation. Take care. Bye-bye.